this summer. We are in the midst of the chaos of the world around us, discovering the stories of God's people and that they are yours and mine and ours. And we've been looking into the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the the story that Luke, the physician who followed the ministry of the Apostle Paul, put together for a person named Theophilus, a, a person who was trying to understand what the Christian faith was really all about. And in the process, we've discovered that that God invites us into a future and into a promise that is beyond our wildest imagination. And he, he gives us an overwhelming mission I mean, to the disciples. He said that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And then, then we discovered last week that, that when, he, when he gives us that kind of overwhelming mission, it pulls us into a place where, where we have to sit and listen where we discover the, the three eyes, if you would, of seeing the world rather than just the two eyes, a, a place where, where we include conversations and give invitations to other people to, to be a part of our life, and, and we include diverse voices, and, and ultimately it, it leads to our own involvement, just as the brothers of Jesus who, who grew up with Jesus, their older brother, and then saw that he was Jesus, the Savior of the world, not just their older brother. And so this morning, as we continue that, that story journey, as we, as we continue looking at what was going on in that upper room where, where these disciples had gathered, we, we come to a, to a realization about what it really means to be the family of God, to, to impact the human family. And, and there are a couple of things that that we need to know. The first is this, that that the power of the human family impacts the world through the work of the kingdom of God. See, the, the, the greatest impact is not what all of us as humans together contrive, but instead it's what God, who designed the world and created each one of us and, and gave us life and breath, it's what He, He has planned. And so if we really want to be the human family, if we really want to impact the world, then, then what Jesus has taught the disciples and what the disciples model for us is that, is that there has to be a place where the, where the human family connects to the kingdom of God. And that happens, that, that happens individually. It happens in your heart, in my heart, in the hearts of those around us where, where we come to the place where we are so convinced that Jesus is who he said he was that, that now suddenly the kingdom of God starts impacting the world through us, through those of us who are witnesses to the impact Jesus has had on us. When I was a kid growing up playing high school ball in Mississippi, uh, our varsity teams would always sit in the stands watching the junior varsity teams. And uh, as we were in the stands one night, there was, there was a, a man who, who would be at all of the different games, all the venues, the tournaments. He, he would sell peanuts. In Mississippi, one of the favorite things people love to eat is boiled peanuts and roasted peanuts. And our coach would always tell us, no, boys, you can't, you can't eat the peanuts. They'll cut your wind. They'll, they won't help you stay in as good a cardiovascular shape as I want you in. And so during the season, no peanuts. But every time we're in the stands watching the, the junior varsity games or the girls' games that preceded ours, 
we would see this man, and he would come, and he would try to sell us peanuts. One of my friends was sitting near me one night when that peanut man showed up, and he was in his most, uh, how should we say, evocative role as a salesman of peanuts that night. And so he came up and, peanuts, peanuts, we'll get your peanuts here. And, and my friend, being about 16, 17 years old, kind of full of himself, just looked at the peanut man and said, hey, man, I'm sorry, I just don't believe in peanuts. To which the man never missed a beat. You don't believe? You don't believe? And he whipped out a Gideon New Testament from inside his pocket and said, here, let me tell you about Jesus. I have to tell you, my friend wasn't impressed with Jesus. He was just trying to tell the man he didn't want any peanuts. And sometimes in the world in which we live, I think that we fail as the human family, impacted by Jesus, to change the world. Because somehow we think that the kingdom of God is, is something we have to beat into people or something we have to sell people. But the first disciples, the first disciples learned they learned that, that being a witness to the kingdom of God is, is something that grows out of your experience of Jesus. Impacting the world around you isn't just something you expect someone else to do. No, no it, it comes out of your own, your own life. For those 12 men, plus the others who were gathered in that upper room, it was a, a very important time as they were in that room Luke tells us, focused on prayer, in one accord, in a diverse setting, listening to one another, but more importantly, listening to God. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, the story keeps being written. And this morning, I would suggest to you that, that that's the way that God wants to write the story in our life. He's not asking us to, to champion and crusade and, and to sell something to someone else. He's asking us to live a life, a life of involvement in the kingdom of God because when we live that way, the impact is exponential. When we live that way, the impact keeps growing and growing and growing. Listen to the story from Acts chapter 1 as I read it for you from the pen of Luke, the story of God's people. So it's your story and my story and our story about the next witness, the calling of the next witness, the calling for your life and mine. Listen. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, while they're still in that upper room praying, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of the persons was in all about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. 
Now this man, Judas, had bought a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the field, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldamah, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who has accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when Jesus was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two men, Joseph called Basabas who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. They cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered among the 11 apostles, so that now there were 12. There were 12 because Jesus had selected 12, and Jesus had selected 12 to make a statement to the children of Israel that he, this was the new covenant. This was something that was new in the world, and as there had been 12 tribes for Jerusalem, now there would be 12 apostles who would reign, who would lead, who would live and impact through the kingdom of God, the world in which the people of God live. See, when Jesus selected the 12, when Jesus taught the 12, when Jesus led the 12, he knew all along because he was the son of God, that Judas, Judas would choose to go his own way. But the disciples, remember, had been listening to Jesus now for, for 40 days after his resurrection. What Luke has already told us is that in those 40 days, Jesus opened their eyes, opened their hearts to, to more of the, of the teachings of the Old Testament than they had ever heard and now they suddenly understood why the Messiah had to die on a cross and be resurrected on the third day, why God had chosen to act in the way that he had acted. And now as they're gathered together in that upper room, not just the 11 of them minus Judas, but, but also with the women who supported the ministry and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers, and others who were there with them who had followed Jesus, now now the Holy Spirit begins to work in Peter's heart and he, he causes Peter to remember, to remember some scriptures. One from Psalm 69, another from Psalm 109. Psalms that, that now they understood in a different light than they had understood them as boys singing the Psalms in the synagogue. Now, now they, they understood these these psalms pointed to the Messiah. And so 
Peter says to the crowd gathered, listen, what we, we've got to do here is we've got to choose someone to be a witness with us. This is more than just a historic story. This is more than just a Bible story. For you see, in the kingdom of God that impacts the world, when the human family is fully impacted by the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of God is in the hearts of those who have been with Jesus. And what, what Peter is inviting that 120 in the upper room to do, what the Spirit of God is using Peter to invite them to do, is the same thing that the Spirit of God is inviting you and me to do, to step out into the world as a witness for Jesus Christ. There are some things about Matthias, who becomes that 12th disciple, that we need to know. First of all, you've got you've to know that this is the only place in the Scriptures where we hear anything about him. But yet, there's so much in here about him that is what God wants to call out in your life and my life. If we're going to be witnesses if we're going to witness to who Jesus is, if we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God that makes a difference in a fallen, chaotic world like the one we're living in right now, then, then let's, let's look at Matthias. Let's look at the witnesses in the upper room. Because this morning, I would suggest to you that if you're really going to see the racism and injustice and the chaos of the world around us through the three eyes of including people, giving invitations into, into conversations and, and entering into those conversations humbly, of, of being involved in the work of God in the world. And, then, and I would suggest to you that we've got to follow the path of Matthias to become a witness to what God wants to do to bring healing to the, the sinfulness of racism and injustice and brokenness in our world. The, the first thing is this. Did you hear it when I read it? Peter stands up in the 120 in the upper room where they've been praying, where they've been having conversation, where they've been listening intently and listening to God in one accord with their hearts together. And he begins to talk about Scripture. He begins to talk about what Jesus had taught them in the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. And in essence, he says, because the scriptures tell us these things, now we have to choose another person to walk with us as a witness. Because you see, witnesses for Jesus consider scripture authoritative in their life. Witnesses for Jesus consider Scripture to be the authority in their life. No, no, not in the, not in the way of some street corner preacher waving a cross and a Bible, not, not in the way of someone who's trying to sell you something about Jesus, but, but no, in the way in which in their own life, in their own life, when, when they come to that place, when they come to that crossroads where, where they're trying to make a decision, witnesses for Jesus, listening to the Spirit of God, are always drawn to Scripture. I had someone ask me not long ago, hey, Pastor, why, why should I read all those Old Testament stories and all those Old Testament passages and, and learn all of that? There's just so much of it. Didn't Jesus come to abolish all of that and give us a new covenant? You've not read Jesus' words correctly, friend. Jesus, Jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it, to completely 
fulfill it. So that those Old Testament passages are formative in the lives of those who lead, those who live, those who witness to Jesus, just as they were for Peter and James and John and Matthew and the rest of the disciples in that upper room, just as they were for Matthias. Those who witness for Jesus, who are impacted by Jesus, who become a part of what it means to bring healing and wholeness into a broken and chaotic and sinful world are people who've learned in their life not to treat the Scriptures as some historic book that they can manipulate or or some book that was created by human beings, but to understand that the entire book was breathed by the Spirit of God into the lives of people even the way Peter references the Psalms. He says that David, when the Spirit of God breathed into him, wrote these words. This book is no normal book. This book is no history book. And the Old Testament sets us into a relationship where we understand how much we need Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul would say in the book of Romans, Even when I do all the things that I've learned to do from studying the law and the prophets, I fail. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ is right there for me. Calling the next witness means calling witnesses who who actually experience Jesus Christ through the scriptures as authoritative in their life. The next next thing about them is is that people who... People who witnessed for Jesus are people who have lived with Jesus for a substantial period of time. They've experienced Jesus over and over and over again. Let me show you what I mean. Here's Here's what Luke tells us about Peter's discussion in that upper room. Beginning in verse 21, after Peter has talked about the the Old Testament passages, he he then says this in verse 21. So one of the men who has accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to Jesus' resurrection. What, What Peter is saying is that, is that this witness, this, this place where you're making an impact, grows out of your substantial, long-term relationship with Jesus. Oh, I, I know when you first accept Jesus, there's a freshness, there's a newness, there's, a, there's an amazement at what's happened as your sins have been forgiven, and, and you feel so empowered, you just want to tell everybody about it. But, but can I tell you that, that sometimes you're talking about stuff you haven't lived yet, Sometimes you're talking about ideas that you want to be true in your life, but but you haven't gotten there yet. What Peter says to the group gathered there, that 120 in the upper room, and what he says to us is that the, the people who make the most impact, the people who have the greatest tendency to change the world are people who live in a substantive, long term relationship with Jesus Christ. They weren't looking for someone to join the 12 because they were talented or gifted or charismatic. No, no, they were were looking for someone who had been with Jesus. 
Because later on, as we read the story of these apostles and their taking of the kingdom of God into the world, it comes to that place where there's a statement made that those who opposed them understood that they had been with Jesus. Those who witness for Jesus, those who are the greatest witnesses, are those who have understood the authority of Scripture in their life, those who have experienced Jesus in substantive, substantial ways, and are willing to do what Matthias did. You see, Matthias and this other gentleman, Joseph, called Barsabbas, they were both chosen. They both had the same qualifications. And the apostles came together, the 11 of them, along with the people in the upper room, and they said, Lord, look, here, here are these two men. They both meet the criteria. We need you to choose. But both of the men had to make a decision. You see, they had, they had to be willing to put their desires for their life behind Jesus' desires for their life. Witnesses for Jesus willingly submit their desires for what they want to do in their life to God's desires for their life. And when they do, they discover that God always, always has more for them. Uh, what they had to do was these two men had to be willing to say to the group gathered there, if this lot falls on me, I will give up everything just like you have. I will walk away from everything I planned for my life, and I will spend my life involved in the kingdom of God, making an impact, calling the full human family into, into a relationship with Jesus so that the world can be changed. It's interesting, this uh, casting of lots, over the years, I've, I've had people say to me things like, well, you know, they just kind of threw these things out and it chose for them. No, no, you don't understand. Uh, the history of this from the Old Testament is actually recorded for us in Proverbs. And it talks about the fact that, that the use of this, this process of casting lots to determine the final will of God was a part of the process of knowing God to begin with and then submitting to him and saying, God, you, you choose. But you want to know the interesting part about those who follow God through Jesus Christ? This is the last time. The last time Scripture tells us that lots were used to make a decision about the will of God. Do you know Why? Because in the next few verses, Luke's going to tell us the story of what happens next when Pentecost occurs and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fills the 12 and the women and Mary and the brothers of Jesus and the 120 in the room. And through the Spirit of God at work in them, now suddenly people who understand that the Scriptures are authoritative, people who are, who are willing to spend substantial time with Jesus, people who are willing to, to submit their desires to God's desires for their life, no longer need to cast lots. They have a relationship, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This morning, 
I'm just wondering, do you have that kind of relationship? This morning, I'm just wondering, are we people who really understand the full impact of the human family? Are we people who, who fully get that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our hearts, our lives, when we experience Jesus Christ? Are we willing as the people of God to not wait on chance, but to trust in God? And are we willing to put our desires behind God's desires and follow hard after him? We're living in a time when there are major decisions being asked of us, major conversations taking place that need to continue to take place. And I, I just kind of wondered if maybe, maybe we need to spend a little time with Jesus, asking him, asking him to, to show us what it is he wants us to do. Not what it is he wants somebody else to do, not what it is he wants us to say so people will think more about us in some way or fashion. But, but literally saying to him, God, we believe in Jesus Christ so much that we're willing to, to put your desire for our life, the places you want us to be involved. You want to see an end to racism and injustice? Let Jesus make a, a difference in you and show you where you can make a difference. What conversation do you need to have? What repentance do you need to confess? What relationship do you need to build? Whose voice do you need to hear? Can you, I'll ask him, to take the pride out of your heart so that you can listen humbly, so that you can learn from the diversity, so that you can live actively as a person who impacts the world because you've been impacted by Jesus. And not just for a moment, not just in the ecstasy of an ecstatic experience, but, but in the long-term life, the dailiness of life. So I thought maybe today we might wrap up our service this way. I'd just like to pray with you that like Matthias, you would be willing to be the next witness called that you and I would be willing to be the people God created us to be who bring hope in the midst of despair, who bring love in the face of hatred, who bring reconciliation to the world of brokenness and bring together the people of God regardless of background, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of economic level, regardless of educational level, to be people, to be people who look for our way to be healers, to be the kingdom of God impacting the world. If that's who you are today, I'm going to pray for you right now. Let's pray together. Abba, Papa, Thank you, for, thank you for showing us through Jesus Christ that you speak into our lives and you prepare for us a way and you allow us to be the people that you want us to be. Thank you 
for opening the door for Matthias. Thank you for the way he models for us what it means to be who you want us to be. And right now, God, our world is in desperate need of witnesses for your kingdom. Our world is in desperate need of people who will find their place of involvement. And listening to me this morning, Lord, there are people that I believe really want to make a difference. There are people that I believe you have called and you have equipped and you have given opportunity to be instruments of your peace, to be healers of the broken, to step into a world that right now is shattered by hatred and violence and bigotry and be your hands, your feet, your heart, your arms. You are the one who calls us. And so today we ask you to lead us in paths of righteousness for your namesake, for the healing of our world, and for our lives to be a witness for you. May there be a multitude of people like Matthias who leave this worship experience and march into the world, who leave the worship centers of our nation and world and walk into the homes of people and sit and learn and live and love. And may we, may we be witnesses. Call us to be the next witness to the person around us of who Jesus is. For it's in his strong name that we pray. Amen.